With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you love Yankee baseball? If so, this is the show for you. Welcome to Pinstripe Talk with your host, Nick Delahanty. Welcome to another edition of the Pinstripe Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nick Delahanty. Can you believe it's already September? It feels like the season has really flown by. At least we still have another month of baseball left. Hopefully for the Yankees, another two months, considering that we want the Yankees to go deep into the postseason. On this episode of the show, we'll recap the month of August, we'll look ahead to the month of September, and we'll take a look at the Yankees' call-ups and acquisitions they made prior to the August 31st deadline. That deadline being the non-waiver deadline to be on the roster in order to be eligible for the postseason. Now, August started off on a really bad foot for the Yankees. They lost their first five. Lost to the Orioles, the final game of a series with them. Then they went into Boston and really struggled losing all four of a four-game set. And at that point, you start your month 0-5. And... You have to say to yourself, you know, how are we going to turn this around? How are we going to get back on track? And it's very hard to do that when arguably the two guys that you figured were going to be the mainstays in your lineup, and I'm talking about Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez, are both sidelined due to injury. Yankees definitely didn't have their, let's say, starting lineup out there. However, they were able to pull it back together in the month of August 
and really did a nice job of bouncing back because after going 0-5, the month could have really spiraled on them, but they were able to control it a little bit and get back on track. They ended the month 17-13, and but take that first five out and you're 17-8. and So after that first week, the Yankees really were able to bounce back. You know, you look at the White Sox series, they swept the White Sox. Then they go into Texas, they take on the Rangers, they take three of four. They lose a tough one to the Mets. You know, when you get a couple of runs against Jacob DeGrom, you hope you win the game. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do so. DeGrom and the Mets were able to win that game 8-5. Then they lost 2-3 to the Rays, a team that many people didn't expect to be as good as they are. And not that they're a top-notch team, but they play with that kind of intensity and that that youth it's kind of contagious and Kevin Cash has done a great job with that team they really have been a tough team to beat even though they're a, a team that's around 500 so you got to give them credit Yankees have had trouble with them all year then they're able to sweep the Blue Jays before heading into Miami you take two take one or two against the Marlins then they took a four-game sweep against the Orioles, which was a big turnaround because in that you had that doubleheader on that Saturday afternoon. It was a day-night doubleheader, especially being that Sonny Gray was one of the winning pitchers in that doubleheader. So you take that, and that's a positive. And then you had a rough one against the White Sox, another under 500 team. You lose one of you lose two of three in that series, and then two of the first three against the Tigers, they split. So you look at the month of August and you say to yourself, you know, it could have been a lot worse, but in turn, it could have been a lot better. To be honest with you, when I was sitting during that Red Sox series watching that unfold, I thought that was going to be the final dagger in the division race. I felt that that was the Red Sox coming out and saying, you know, we're having an amazing year. This division is not going to be close. We're going to keep you as far out as we can. However, they've struggled a little bit recently. And the Yankees have been able to catch up on a little ground. It's still a long way to climb up the division race. However, there's still hope that they can still stay in it. You know, crazier things have happened in baseball where you sit back and you look and say, you know, this team overcame that deficit and whatnot. So you can't rule them out at this point. However, it's going to be tough to do. Yankees currently seven and a half out. You know, Boston sitting at 94 wins. It's very hard to catch up with a team that's having an historic season. You know, the Yankees are playing good baseball throughout the year. You know, anytime you're 30 games over 500, that's a success in my eyes. However... When the team ahead of you is playing better than you, it's kind of hard to catch them. So the Yankees are in a situation where, yes, you want to have that mindset that you can catch the Red Sox, but you also have to be mindful that there's a couple of good teams in that wild card race that can unthrone you or dethrone you if you struggle down the stretch. Now, knowing this Yankee situation, Brian Cashman understood that the team needed to make some moves prior to the waiver deadline of August 31st. And in case you weren't aware, if you're not on the team's roster 
by September 1st, you're not eligible to be on the postseason roster. So say that the Yankees made a trade on September 7th. That player would not be playoff eligible. Yes, they could be added to the 40-man roster, and they could play throughout the month of September, but the Yankees in turn could not put them on their playoff team. So seeing what the Yankees were throwing out there every day, and seeing that the teams behind the Yankees have a chance to catch them, and that the Yankees can still have a chance in the division if things go right, Brian Cashman made some moves to help bolster the roster. And the two moves that he made were basically insurance policies in my eyes. Now, the Yankees kind of waited as long as they can to see what the deal was with Aaron Judge. First, the initial report was that he was going to miss three weeks. Then we find out that Judge had a cortisone shot and He's been struggling to swing a bat. He hasn't swung yet. And now it looks like Judge might not be back till the end of September, if not later. So the Yankees had were in a little bind. And we all know that they're trying to stay under the luxury tax. And rightfully so. The Yankees went out and were able to get an outfielder in Andrew McCutcheon, who the Giants did not put on waivers until last week it was a last minute type of thing so the Yankees were able to get a a all-star caliber player who yes he's not the MVP that he once was but he's a pro who's going to come in and and really help this team and has that mentality of of wanting to be great and wanting to win you know he he got a taste of the postseason with the Pirates uh, played with the Giants throughout this season But McCutcheon never really got that deep postseason run that a veteran like him is looking for. You know, a 10-year career, uh, he's been a guy that's been consistent at the plate, good in, in the clubhouse, good in the field. And that's what the Yankees need. Especially with Giancarlo Stanton dealing with his hamstring injury, McCutcheon will be able to fill a void that will be very valuable for the Yankees. And that's that right field, outfield spot. I have nothing against Neil Walker, and you can make the argument that he's been very valuable, especially in the second half. However, I couldn't stand to watch him in right field one more time because it was just uncomfortable for me. Knowing that he's a true infielder, it made me nervous every time the ball was hit out there. And, of course, you had Shane Robinson, who showed signs of being good defensively, However, didn't give you much offensively. And when you're dealing with injuries and you have some guys who are out, putting Robinson in the lineup and giving him three to four at-bats a night is a waste. And the Yankees never envisioned Robinson even getting as much playing time as he did. You know, you figure Frazier's hurt, Stanton's dealing with his injury, Judge. The Yankees figured that one of those three guys was going to be playing right field if needed. So. Robinson steps in, does the job. Yankees kind of had enough and and said, you know what? We need to make this move. They give up two of their top 30 prospects, but they're still able to stay under the luxury tax, which was the main goal in turn. Because if you remember at the deadline, the the regular trade deadline, Cashman said that the price for the outfielders was too high. So Cashman kind of held back, waited, 
saw his options, and then was able to strike a deal when he felt it was needed. And McCutcheon should be a benefit for the Yankees down the stretch. You know, a lot of people question what's going to happen to him when Judge comes back. I say wait it out. You know, we have a month of baseball left. Judge is not anywhere near ready to come back. Let's see what happens when Judge is healthy. You know, right now the logical answer is to play him in left field to give him time with Gardner, split them a little bit, because Gardner's struggling in the second half. However, Gardner might catch fire and ha- and dominate in the second half, and nobody's going to want to take him out of the lineup. So the Yankees are going to have to mix and match, figure it out. But let's wait and see when Judge comes back, because to be quite honest with you, right now, Judge might not even be back. We have to brace for that possibility that he might not even return. So... Hold off on that. Let's see what Gardner could do. Hopefully McCutcheon's a spark in, in right field for the Yankees down the stretch. And it looks like he's going to be the leadoff hitter the majority of the time. And let's hope that he can help the Yankees win some ball games in September. Because ultimately that's what they need him to do. Be a productive piece out there in right field every every day. I think he could do the job. And I think he's a great fit in New York given his personality and his veteran experience. I think that it's going to be a kind of a perfect fit for the Bronx. I think the Yankee fans are really going to embrace him as well. The second move they made kind of shocked a lot of people. And I really wasn't shocked by it. At first, I kind of scratched my head and said, you know, why'd they do this? But the move makes a lot of sense. They were able to acquire Adani Hechevarria from the Pirates. And now, you say to yourself, you know, why do we need him? You know, Glaber's playing short now. Didi's on his way back. You know, he's not really much of an offensive player. The main reason why Hechevarria was acquired was insurance. Brian Cashman's a smart man. Everything he does has some type of logic behind it, whether we understand it or not. You know, at the deadline, he traded away a couple of guys like Chase and Shreve, Tyler Austin to get some international pool money. Now, this move is basically insurance. And personally, I think it helps strengthen the Yankees defensively. Recently, we've seen the Yankees struggle defensively. They've made a lot of kind of bonehead plays where errors have cost them. But Hechevarria, as a very good defensive shortstop into the mix that not only can give you some innings late in games, but gives you insurance in case Didi Gregorius misses a lot of time, or more time than expected. Gregorius is expected back at some point next week, but in the meantime, the Yankees might feel that they're better off with Hechevarria at short and Glaber Torres at second. Because long term, say, just say for instance that Didi misses more time than just into next week. And Didi's out till mid-September. Would you want Glaber Torres and Ronald Torres every day up the middle? Or would you rather have Hechevarria start a couple of games at short and have Torres go back to his natural spot where the Yankees have moved him and have a better middle infield defensively? It gives them options, I think, that they didn't have before that. Yes, Tyler Wade could play short. And he's a very good defender no matter where you put him. But I feel that they like his versatility to the fact that they can move him to third. They can move Walker around. 
Hechevarria could play short. Now they have some options they can mix and match and play with. And they can see what works best defensively. I think that Hechevarria is basically going to be a defensive specialist. I don't see him getting many starts. Maybe he'll spell Gregorius here or there down the stretch. Make sure he doesn't wear out, especially coming off the injury. But I like the move. I think it's a low-risk type of move. They're still under the luxury tax. The move makes a lot of sense in, just as insurance. You know, I personally prefer Torres at second. I think he's a lot better off over there. And I like that Hechevarria adds that insurance. A veteran, Another veteran guy who could step in and, and mix and match and help you out. The Yankees have a lot of options. They have a lot of talent. And when you have a lot of talent, it gives you a lot of opportunities. And even with some of their key guys out, you see the depth really showing. And Cashman does a nice job of adding where he thinks that they need depth the most. So give him credit for making that buzzer beater type of deal. And let's see how they use Hechevarria, whether it's late in ball games, you know, a close game, maybe they move Torres over to second, put him at short. There's a lot of scenarios that could play out. But Hechevarria could be a valuable piece for this Yankee team, defensively speaking. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about the September call-ups. Yankees currently have four players that they've called up. We'll discuss each of them in further detail. Later on, we'll talk about the return of Gary Sanchez. Remember, the Pinstripe Talk podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and Simplecast. So make sure you use whichever site you want. Download it, stream it, share it with your friends. If you're on iTunes, rate it, uh, leave us a review. You can also interact with us on the show by tweeting us at Pinstripe Talk ND. You could also tweet my personal account at Nick underscore Delahanty or shoot us an email, pinstripe talk at gmail.com. We'll be right back here with the Pinstripe Talk podcast. We hope that you are enjoying the Pinstripe Talk podcast. If you have something to say or would like to comment on something that you heard on our show, please feel free to contact us via social media. You could contact our host, Nick Delahanty, on Twitter by tweeting at Nick underscore Delahanty, or you could send us an email, pinstripetalk at gmail.com. And we are back on the Pinstripe Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nick Delahanty. If you're just joining us, prior to the break, we talked about the Yankees month of August. We also broke down the two trades to acquire Andrew McCutcheon and Adani Hechevarria. Now we're going to look into the Yankees' September call-ups. And as you all know, September 1st, Major League teams are allowed to expand their rosters. So anybody on the 40-man roster is eligible to return to the big league club. And that's going to benefit the Yankees. Right now, they have four guys that they've called up that should make an impact in some way, shape, or form. We'll start off with the guys who have been with the big league club. We'll start with Luis Sessa. Sessa's been up and down this year. Uh, he's made a couple of starts. Four starts for the Yankees appeared in 10 games. One in three with a 5.34 ERA. Sessa should be used out of the bullpen as a long man. Uh, I don't see him starting anytime soon. Maybe to spread out the rotation or to uh, lengthen the rotation out to set it up for the postseason. Other than that, I expect to see Sessa in 
long situations if the, the starter goes short. You know, Sess is a guy that has a little experience and could help the Yankees out of the pen. Yankee fans, I think, are kind of sick of Luis Sessa. He struggled a little bit, especially this year. But he's another arm that the Yankees are high on and think that he's a big league caliber type of player. And we should see him at some point during the month, especially to keep guys like Batances and Britton and Holder. You know, your main guy's fresh, especially in games where it's not necessarily a safe situation or a close game. I think that's where you're going to see a guy like Luis Sessa. Then you turn to Tyler Wade, a utility guy, very good defensively, plays second, short, outfield, made his first appearance at third base the other day. A 23-year-old, uh, was the Yankees' fourth-round pick in 2013. Offensively, hasn't really hit well, a 171 career in the big leagues. However, throughout his time in the minor leagues, he's been a decent hitter. You know, he he's known for his speed and his defense. Looks like we'll see him late in bowl games like Hechevarria. If Hechevarria comes off the bench, you know, it gives you another option with Wade as well. You can play him anywhere, basically. A versatile guy. Seems like a good clubhouse guy, too. So Wade gets the call again. Yankees like him as well. The only problem is there's no real room for him on the big league roster when everybody's healthy. You know, Gregorius at short, Torres, uh, Torres. There's really no spot for him. And now with Hechevarria, I'm interested to see if Wade's playing time is even more diminished. You know, I didn't expect Wade to get called up into start games. But I did expect him to get a couple of games here and there where you saw him in the lineup to give guys days off. Now they might lean toward Hechevarria or Torres, and, and Wade might just be used as a pinch runner and defensive guy. So we'll see how the Yankees can use him. I think he's valuable uh, and that he could be a piece that could help spark plug this team and really help them down the stretch. I think that's why they brought him up, especially with his his speed because, you know, Let's face it, this Yankee team lacks speed. You know, McCutcheon's a little older. He's He's got some kind of speed. Gardner's 34. You know, he's not blazing like he used to. Stanton, Sanchez, they're, they're really lacking in the speed department. So in a one-run game, you know, a guy like Luke Voigt gets on base. Wade's a nice piece to put in there as a base runner, a very smart guy, and can contribute right away. Then you look at Jonathan Loisega, who the Yankees just called up on September 2nd. This guy made a couple of starts early in the year for the Yankees, but dealt with a shoulder injury, and he's been rehabbing and trying to get back. And now he's back, and it doesn't appear like he's going to be a starter again for the time being. However, expect to see him out of the bullpen. He made four starts for the Yankees, and he was solid in those starts. 23-year-old. Yankees love his arm, a lively arm. He should be another guy like Sessa who comes out of the bullpen. And that's a way for the Yankees to limit his innings work as well. He only threw 18 innings in the big leagues, but in total has 56 total innings. Not really much of a workload, but coming off the shoulder injury, the Yankees will probably look to limit that. So Loisaga, another arm the Yankees are high on, gets the call in September. The last guy 
really interests me, and that's Stephen Tarpley. And he's a left-handed reliever who started his career as a starter. Started with the Orioles, made his way to Pittsburgh. Yankees acquired him in the Ivan Nova trade, a trade that ended up working out for them as they got Tarpley. 25-year-old, this kid has been lights out in both AA and AAA this year. In total, 7-2 with a 1.94 ERA, a left-handed reliever. The Yankees posted a video of Tarpley. He was throwing, and then they asked some of his teammates what they thought of him and what he has done. And every one of his teammates, including guys like Chance Adams, uh, their AAA manager as well, you know, there's a bunch of different guys, Justice Sheffield, they said all oh, his stuff is nasty. Like, this kid is the real deal. And last year, they said that he lost some velocity. He was dealing with some injuries, uh, saw a dip in the velocity. But recently, he's been sitting at 94 to 95 with a, he's been throwing like a sinker, a sharp slider. So, you know, as a lefty, if you could have three or four pitches you could rely on out of the bullpen, you could be lethal. And you look at a guy like Zach Britton, how. He, what he throws. Everything has a downward motion. Imagine if Tarpley, with his stuff already, can learn something from a guy like Zach Britton who's been in the big leagues and has done it and has been successful. Imagine if he can take this experience and become a a deadly reliever for the Yankees and join that group. A lot of good arms out there. The Yankees seem to be really high on this guy as well. And the numbers have proven that he belongs to be here. And he gets the opportunity, and let's see what he can do at the big league level. You know, I'm excited to see this guy pitch. I've watched video to kind of see like what was going on with him and what he likes to throw. And from the video footage, this guy has big league stuff. I'm excited to see if it could translate down the stretch. And now I know everybody's probably wondering, where is Justice Sheffield? Where is he? Why isn't he up? Where's Chance Adams? I don't think you're going to see Justice Sheffield this year. And here's why. The Yankees moved him to the bullpen with the intent of, A, keeping his pitch count, his innings limit intact, and B, trying to get him ready to make an impact on the big league roster in September. When he moved to the bullpen, this is just my logic here. I think that Sheffield is a little uncomfortable in his new role. And I really can't blame him for that because it's, it's hard to transition. You know, you start off as a, uh, as a starter and you try to keep that same mentality, but it's a whole different ball game. It's very difficult to come out of the bullpen, especially when you've been a starter your entire life. Now, My suggestion to the Yankees is to leave Justice Sheffield alone. And what I mean by that is this. We lived through the Jabba Chamberlain years where he was a dominant reliever. He came up, he shocked the world. He was arguably one of the best relievers in the game. And then the Yankees tried to make him back into a starter and it didn't work out well. For now, what I would tell them to do is let Sheffield finish out the season in AAA. Use him however you want. You know, let him throw out of the bullpen to limit his innings, whatnot. But that's it. End his season there. 
if he's uncomfortable in that bullpen role, I would rather him embrace the starter role and work on the things that he needs to work on in order to be ready for spring training next year. Let's face it, the Yankees have a lot of arms in their bullpen that they can rely on. They are not in a need of a Justice Sheffield right now. When you look back, and a lot of people compare this situation to David Price when he was with the Rays. The Rays needed a David Price in their bullpen. The Yankees don't. The Yankees have enough arms to get by. Now, say a guy like Sabathia or Tanaka or even Jay Ahap, you know, gets hurt or you have a hole in the rotation you need to fill. Then I would consider adding Sheffield to the 40-man roster and giving him a start. But if that's not the case, I would leave him be. I would end his season early. And I would bring him up to the big league club and let him experience the big leagues. Don't activate him. Don't put him on the roster. But let him experience it. Let him get a taste of what September baseball brings and what October baseball brings. Because this is a guy that you expect to be a big part of your rotation for not just next year, but for years ahead. Let him taste that experience, that playoff atmosphere. And let him get ready for his eventual role on this team as a starting pitcher. Chance Adams, on the other hand, I'm a little surprised. You know, I thought he would be one of the first call-ups. But again, innings limit and a little bit of struggles out of the bullpen. We saw how he pitched against the Marlins in relief that one night he was up when the Yankees had a, a hole on the roster. The Yankees have to be cautious with him as well. You know, you don't want to ruin your top two pitching prospects, or two of your top pitching prospects for that matter. Shut them both down and have the same type of idea in mind as you do with Sheffield. You know, let this kid experience the postseason. I believe when Jeter was a was a young a young guy, I should say, he went with the Yankees during their postseason run. And he experienced it. And you know, I think that plays a big part in developing these guys because they get a taste of what they're going to eventually be a part of. And let's face it, this Yankee team is built to win not only this year, but for years ahead. It's scary to think about it, but they're actually going to get better as the years go on. They have enough talent that they could be competitive for five, six years with the same roster. Get Adams and Sheffield ready by letting them experience Yankee Stadium in September and October. It's only going to pay off. And it benefits you if you can shut them down, especially after the AAA season, and let them work on the things they need to work on. You know, a lot of people say Sheffield has control issues and walks too many guys still. Let them work on their craft and get them ready for their eventual roles with the big league club. And in the end, I think it will pay off. Neither one is a need right now. If they become a need, then you can address that need. But for the time being, let them finish out. You keep them on their innings limit, and it's a win-win for both sides. Then when they're up, they can work with a Larry Rothschild on their motion, delivery, big league stuff. They can talk to different guys. They can pick the brains of CC Sabathia and different veterans in that clubhouse that have done it for years. 
I think that is the best recipe to get these guys ready. And I would hate to see the Yankees ruin one of the, or both of them by playing around with the bullpen. We're going to take one more break. We're going to get into Gary Sanchez, who's finally back in the lineup, and an interesting kind of Twitter feed that talks about how valuable Sanchez is to the Yankees. And we'll be right back on the Pinstripe Talk podcast, located on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Simplecast, and Spotify. We hope that you are enjoying the Pinstripe Talk podcast. If you have something to say or would like to comment on something that you heard on our show, please feel free to contact us via social media. You could contact our host, Nick Delahanty, on Twitter by tweeting at Nick underscore Delahanty, or you could send us an email, pinstripetalk at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Pinstripe Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nick Delahanty. As always, we appreciate you taking the time to sit with us and listen and talk about Yankees baseball. Big month of September coming for the Yankees. And they get some reinforcements back in the lineup when Gary Sanchez returned. He returned on Saturday. Finally, he's back off the groin injury. And Sanchez has received a lot of grief from the fan base, saying he doesn't hustle. You know, that the injury was fake, quote-unquote, that I've heard. And I just have to laugh because a lot of people on Twitter are absurd in terms of what they like to blame the players for. What? Let's face it. In New York, when you're hitting and you're doing well, you're a hero. When you're not and you're struggling, you're a zero. Look at Greg Bird. That guy has been awful. And now he is public enemy number one. You know, Torres was struggling. A lot of people were on him. Now he's back to being kind of a hero the way he's been hitting recently. A lot of people say that Gary Sanchez isn't as valuable as many think he is. However, Gary Sanchez is one of the most important parts of the Yankees lineup. James Smith, who is a Yankees Yes Network researcher, came up with a great thread on Twitter. And I encourage everybody to go and and read it. Take five minutes to read it. He's found on Twitter at James Smith, S-M-Y-T-H, 621. He talks about wild pitches and pass balls in terms of Sanchez and other catchers for the Yankees. You know, the now let's face it, Sanchez allows a lot of wild pitches and pass balls, but as you'll see in the thread, Smith makes the point that Sanchez stops the running game more than any other Yankee catcher. I'm going to just read off this one tweet. Since 2016, the Yankees caught stealing percentage rates. If you look at Romine and Higashioka, who have done the bulk of the catching when Sanchez has been out, are at 19.8%. Sanchez is at 35.8%. Major League Baseball average is 27.9%. Now, those numbers may look, on average, you know, especially how Rollmine and Higashioka are below average, but having Sanchez behind the plate adds a new element to the mix. And what I mean is, 
when he's behind the plate, teams are more aware that he's behind the dish. And they're not going to test him as much as they're going to test a Rollmine or a Higashioka. Sanchez's arm alone helps keep runners at first base. And in turn, that helps the pitchers because you keep runners at a scoring position. You keep double plays in order. And defensively, yes, there's a lot of wild pitches and pass balls. And, you know, you'd hope that he can ultimately rectify that situation. But Sanchez has been above average at throwing runners out. So teams are going to be more patient in terms of running when he's behind the plate. And when he was out, you saw it. How many times did we see teams stealing bases, especially look at the Red Sox, you know, they run a lot. There's a lot of teams in baseball I like to run. With Sanchez behind the plate, it helps the Yankees. It doesn't hurt them. Now, yes, Sanchez, you know, you could say all you want about the pass balls and, and the numbers. He almost has double the pass balls uh, than Roman and Higashioka. However, offensively, Sanchez has been 30.7 runs better than the average Major League Baseball hitter. Roman and Higashioka, 30.5 runs worse. So that's a 61-run gap, which is five times greater than his wild pitch and pass ball run ratio is. That's amazing to me. And I credit James Smith for doing the research on this from the Yes Network. A great Yankee follow if you haven't already. And I, we definitely appreciate all the hard work he does. I love reading his stats and reading about what he finds in the Yankee archives. Yes, Romine did a nice job when Sanchez was out. He stepped in, was a valuable piece for the Yankees. However, Austin Rollmine is no Gary Sanchez. The Yankees need Gary Sanchez. And Gary Sanchez is a valuable asset that's going to help the Yankees down the stretch. Hopefully he can get back to his form offensively. He struggled before the injury, you know. He lost some weight recently. You can see he looks slim and he looks like he's ready to go. This guy is as valuable as valuable gets. And for the Yankees, you hope that he can be the guy that you know he is capable of being, especially offensively. Because defensively, he's going to help your pitchers when they get runners on base. And in turn, that helps your defense. Sanchez is an asset. Don't let him, the pass balls and the wild pitches fool you. Because you're going to look like the fool when Sanchez begins to hit like he's capable of and becomes one of the more valuable pieces in this Yankee lineup. There are not many catchers with the offensive potential of Sanchez. You might look and say that you could compare him to a Mike Piazza. That's how good this guy could be. It's just a matter of if he could figure out his struggles at the plate. And to be quite honest with you, I think he can. I have a lot of confidence in Gary Sanchez, and I think he's going to turn it around. I think he's going to prove everybody wrong. I just hope that he can do it and that he can get back on track. Because let's face it, the Yankees are better with him behind the plate. And that shouldn't even be at the beat. That's going to end our show for today. Thank you all again for listening to our podcast. Again, 
Find us on Apple Podcasts. Go to iTunes. Subscribe. Rate. Review the show. We appreciate all the feedback we can get. Listen to us on Simplecast. We have our own website. Uh, TuneIn Radio. Spotify. There's many different options we opened up for you guys so you can listen to the show. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Listen to some Yankee baseball talk. You could also find us on Twitter at PinstripeTalkND. My personal account is at Nick underscore Delahanty. Follow us, tweet us, talk some Yankee baseball with us. We love the New York Yankees. We love talking about them. So join in on the conversation. Also, feel free to send us some emails, pinstripetalk at gmail.com. Again, as always, this was the Pinstripe Talk podcast. We'll be back in a couple of days to discuss all the latest news, updates, rumors, injuries, anything regarding the New York Yankees, we'll discuss. As always, let's go Yankees, and we'll see you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.